You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. We are going to open with Micah 4, 1 through 5. It's one of the scripture texts in the lectionary for today. And it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days, and this is, the latter days is speaking of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills. And this poetry is just so amazing. The peoples shall flow to it. Imagine that. The peoples are flowing up to the mountain. Um, And we know that the mountain that they are drawn to is Christ. He says, I shall draw all men unto me. And many nations shall come. And again, those many nations are the people that were not there in Israel to watch the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So that is us. And say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord, who is Jesus, from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples. God will judge. And shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they, the many nations, us, shall beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And this, of course, has not completely happened yet. We see that there's still war on earth. There's still people lifting up sword against people and against nation, sword, weapons, etc. But we are living in the time that God is doing his work on earth. It's obviously not done yet, but God is acting on it. So we're living in that liminal space in that time. But we shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And I love that. It's talking about sitting under your own vine and your own fig tree. You don't need to conquer someone else's land and take over what they have planted. We are going to be content with what God's cultivating in our own lives. And no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And if you would stand for the gospel reading, it comes from Luke today, 24, 44 through 49. Then Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And this is how we know that the Micah verse Uh, verses were about Jesus. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, and here's where Luke kind of at the very end of his book gives a nice little summary for what has been happening all along the whole narrative. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The Gospel of the Lord. Glory to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. So my goal with this sermon for today is, I believe what every sermon does, it's the equipping of the saints. And I say uh, specifically the equipping because we're going to be talking about the equipment that is mentioned in Micah. The swords, the plowshares, uh, the spears, the pruning hooks. Um, but I had planned this sermon a few days ago, and I didn't sleep all night. <laughs> Bill has told me that the uh, Saturdays before he preaches, he just doesn't sleep ever. And I sit there, and I sleep, and it's glorious. And then <laughs> last night, I didn't sleep, and he was sleeping wonderfully. <laughs> And right at the very end, and you, anyone who's been awake all night knows that you fall asleep about an hour before you have to get up. So right at the very end, <laughs> I fell asleep, and I had a dream, and I really felt that it was prophetic. For this sermon, it kind of lined right up with what God had already given me to say. And so I really hope that I can pique your interest, grab your attention, uh, almost as if you're a nerd sitting in a classroom who's hearing about your greatest topic ever. You're so excited about it. You lean forward. You want to sit in the front. You can't take your eyes off the professor. You're taking furious notes. I just, I'm not saying you have to take furious notes. <laughs> what I'm saying is I hope that your spirit is attentive and is listening because I do believe that this is very prophetic for our church. Uh, so I'm going to share the first part of the dream. Um, and... I ha the dream that I had was that we were, not just us, but the whole community was sitting in a community meeting, and we had various religious leaders that were sitting in a panel up front. And I think there were a few uh, Christian pastors that had went to use the bathroom or something, and the moderator was holding a microphone, and he was letting people share, and, and the other leaders share that were sitting in... Uh, the audience, and one person stood up and said, well, I don't like these uh, leaders of other religions that are here. I don't know why they're here. And then someone in the back started yelling, and this person is from a different religion that's not Christian. I don't know why they, they're here. And then the whole room starts yelling angrily, and all I was seeing is words that were being used like swords. They were just bludgeoning each other with their words. Uh, right, if looks can kill, words can also kill. <laughs> um, and that was what was happening in the room, and I was feeling all this tension. And so I'm gonna leave you in that tension, and I'm gonna come back to it later and talk about the second half of the dream. Um, but there, it was just like a mob of people yelling because the leaders that were there weren't Christian. So going back to our text for today, there, the text clearly says that Christ has fulfilled in his death, burial, resurrection, the whole narrative that we just rehashed in Easter and we're continuing to talk about because we're in the third Sunday of Easter tide. So the church has dedicated about seven weeks, seven Sundays, where we continue to talk about 
the joy and the sorrow and all that that came with Easter, everything that came with that narrative. But now that Christ has fulfilled it, we see in the Micah text that we are actually drawn into his redemptive work. It says that people were drawn to him, but then it says that we, the many nations, beat our swords into plowshares. And this is something that the Holy Spirit does in us, but it's also something that he wants us to be a part of. So he invites us into the process to beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. And this has become a uh, famous phrase to talk about not being a culture of war and moving into a culture of peace. But for Salem Tabernacle, uh, Pastor Bill shared this back in January, that we believe that we are supposed to be peace, Salem, on the move, tabernacle. This is our vision for how we interact, uh, how we move through the world, through our community and through the world at large. So how do we bring peace? The first thing is that inside of us, we have the ability to destroy and we have the ability to create. We all know this. Uh, it even says you have that ability just in your tongue alone. You're, you can say one word that can completely break someone down, possibly for the rest of their lives. I'm, I'm sure each one of us has heard one thing about, said about ourselves that we've held on to. And when we hear that word, it's kind of like a trigger. It's like, ah, oh, that really grates against me. It's really hurting me. And it could be 20 years later and you're still, every time you hear that word is frustrating. Uh, but also, we have the ability to create. We were made in the likeness of God, and so we have that likeness, that, that nature of God that creates. There is no part of God's nature that is about destroying. It's only about life. It's about creation, creativity. We have both of those things, the, the potential for both of those things inside us. So when I read the sword into plowshare, I was really seeing it as our bodies, ourselves. We have the ability to be the sword. We have the ability to be the plowshare. So what I want to talk about today is the difference between the two. They're both things that can cut. The sword cuts to destroy. And if you just look up sword um, and see how many times it's used, it's used all throughout the Old Testament to talk about judging, vengeance, repaying, conquering, it tears down what has taken a while to be built up. And then the plowshare, of course, is the opposite. It also cuts, but it cuts to make room for growth. The plowshare is the part of the plow at the end that makes the lines where you can put the seed. It's not the part that actually, it's not the part of the plow that actually drives into the ground and makes the hard soil soft. It's the part that follows that that makes the soft lines where you can put the seeds for growth. The seeds in this sermon, we're going to be talking about the seeds as the gospel. How do we make room for the gospel in people's lives? So, of course, uh, the plowshare is a method for cultivating and in that, pitted against the sword, it's us trusting the judgment 
to God. God says, vengeance is mine. He says that he is the judge. And that's, again, what it says in Micah, that he is going to judge. And he is going to settle disputes. And we are not to be judging. We are to leave that to God and trusting it to God, who says that vengeance is his. And so we've been talking about strengthening our hands uh, to rebuild. And for this sermon, it's we are strengthening our hands by having the proper tools in our hands. Okay? So... I want you to take a moment, and you can close your eyes if it helps you think. I want us to ponder the, the times that we've had something inside of us that seeks to destroy, that is destructive, uh, that either seeks to destroy or has been destructive. We have our tongues. We also have times where uh, maybe you can think of a certain person that just always bothers you, that you just want to say that one extra word to them. Uh, that will just cut them back a little bit, or that you want to repay them for what they've done, and so you just want to say something extra, or someone that you've been jealous of and you want to conquer or take from them by just making one little uh, side remark when they get complimented. Just say one little extra thing so the compliment doesn't mean as much. Any of those things, whatever it is, I want you to try to pinpoint some time that you've had something that can be destructive, uh, cause destruction in someone else's lives. And, and for some of us, that's also being destructive to ourselves. Sometimes we have a voice inside of us that speaks insecurity, that speaks things that are not of God, things that do not bring life and make us feel alive, but make us feel destroyed. So with that in mind, I'm going to go through three different things that the plowshare, three different characteristics that the plowshare has, because we are going to take that, we are going to ask the Holy Spirit to take what is destructive, the part of us that's destructive, today, and turn it into the plowshare. Okay? So as we're learning about these three things, I want us to be thinking, how does God want to take that piece of destructiveness that's inside of us to turn it into these three things. And it could be any encounters that you have with people. It could be friendships and relationships. It could be how we witness to people and talk to them about Jesus. Uh, but I want you to have that in your mind. How do we interact with people in a way that can bring healing in life like the plowshare? The first one, the first characteristic is endurance. Anyone who has had a garden, uh, big or small, knows that it takes a lot of work. I just moved into a house back in September, and I had this grand idea that I was going to uh, gut one of my flower beds, and I was going to turn it into a vegetable garden. So uh, Courtney Behrens and I, Courtney Behrens is a gardening genius, like that's what she went to school for. <laughs> So I was like, please help me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have about six different gardening tools. I have no idea how to use them. I'd probably be using the handle in the dirt. <laughs> um, and so she came over, socially distanced, of course, and she helped me, got the flower bed, plant some vegetables. I was so excited. 
And the weeds that I had pulled, three days later, my vegetables weren't showing up, but the weeds had come back and were already like three inches above the ground. And we had pulled them out by the roots. It was a very frustrating experience. But when you are a plowshare, when you are dealing with cultivating, you are going to need endurance. It takes absolutely no effort to wield a weapon. We've seen that. It takes absolutely no effort to say that one extra word that you wanted to say. It actually feels good sometimes. Uh, left on their own, things will fall apart, right? So if we do one little extra nudge, it's very easy to destroy. I think about the times I've seen my daughter make a Lego building and she takes 20 minutes to make the building. And then in one second, she just knocks the whole thing over. Uh, it's so easy to do that. But the plowshare requires endurance. It requires paying attention to your garden. It requires uh, continually going out and weeding and making room. This is what cultivating is. It requires effort. And just because you took your plow and you went through and you lined up all the lines, next season, guess what? You're going to have to do it again. <laughs> It doesn't stay that way forever. It's not something that you do it once and, well, I did the work and everything's going to be fine now. No, it takes effort and it takes endurance. So that's the first thing. It takes endurance when we are dealing with other people, when we are having encounters with people. Uh, we just want to kind of dump the gospel in people's laps, right? Like, I'll just quickly tell them about Jesus and then that's it. I'll just have spewed it all out. <laughs> and then we'll all see results. No, it takes endurance. It takes years for you to be in someone else's life with the cultivating mentality, not the quick, I'm going to take my sword and just go right through, right to the source. No, it takes cultivating. It takes time. It takes phone calls. It takes having people over your house. It takes just praying for them on a regular basis. It takes all those things. So the second characteristic is rhythm. The plowshare takes rhythm. The rhythm of life, it takes being intentional. You cannot have a rhythm and a habit if you are not intentional. Try breaking one of the habits that you've, the bad habits that you've created. It takes intentionality. It's hard work. It's uncomfortable. It's painful sometimes. It takes, in cultivating, deciding where you want to plant. It takes deciding where you want to prune. You have to be intentional about it. In my garden, and I'm just saying all this because I've been like trying to work on this garden for a couple of weeks now, and every time I get into it, I'm like, there's so many metaphors here for uh, people and for spiritual things. Of course, the Bible helps because the Bible is full of agricultural terms and, and metaphors like that, too. Um, but when I was looking at uh, a different flower bed, uh, Courtney was like, you know why these aren't doing so well, these plants? Because it's at the bottom of the slope of your yard, and someone planted plants there that uh, don't require a lot of water, and they're getting soaked with water in the soil. And so someone had just thrown the plants in not really thinking intentionally about it. And so you have to take into consideration 
What kind of soil is this? Is there clay? Are there rocks in here? You have to take into consideration sun and water. When we are encountering other people, we need to take into consideration the rhythms of life. Am I talking to someone that has just been burned by the sun for the past two months? Am I talking to someone that is still in the frost season of their life? They're going through a period of time where they feel cold or they've had too much rain. You have to take all of that into consideration. How do we take that into consideration? It involves being together with people, learning about their circumstances, learning about their story, not just coming right in with my words and saying, well, here you go, plopping it into their lap and just assuming that there's going to be growth from it. We have to be intentional. A sword is the opposite of intentional. You wield it impulsively or compulsively. You don't have to give it much thought. You just do it because you felt like doing it or because it's there, I have to do it. How many times do we have that impulsive word where we just want to say that extra thing to the person, like I said, or compulsive, I can't sit with this thing that they need to know how I feel about it. And so I have to say it right away. That's not how the Spirit works. The Holy Spirit will show you the times and the seasons when to say something. Good content becomes harmful if you do not have the right timing to say it. And I've noticed that so many times when I felt like God has given me a word for someone, I've sometimes had to wait for months to tell them that. And when I waited, I noticed the Holy Spirit had done the work in the soil of their lives to make that, that word meaningful to them. It wouldn't have been meaningful if I just said it right away. So we have to ask the Holy Spirit. We cannot trust ourselves to know the timing. We have to ask the Holy Spirit in the rhythm of life, when is this a good time for me to open up to this person and talk to them about the things that you've given me? And then the third characteristic is trust. And as I was looking up what a plowshare is, because I knew it had something to do with plows, but I really didn't know much about it at all, uh, I learned that the first part of the plow is the spikes that drive into the hard ground. And they push into the ground and they soften it up. And then behind that is the plowshare that makes the lines. And I just thought, how many times do we want to be the hard spikes that go into someone's hardness of heart or someone that seems like they're hard or they're not opening up and we want to dig in with another hard thing and we want to just get in there and make them soft how many times do we want to be the ones to do that but this text is saying we follow the holy spirit the holy spirit has the power to soften and harden hearts he says it many times in the scriptures that he has the ability to soften someone's heart. And so we shouldn't feel like we have to be the person to come in and we're going to knock through that hardness and we're going to create a soft heart. No, we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we create room. We're not breaking down someone's hardness. We're creating room after the Holy Spirit, room for growth. Okay, and that requires trust. And I think 
All of us don't really like to do that very much. We want to be the hard pricking person that gets under someone's skin, right? We don't want to be the person that just waits for the Holy Spirit to do its thing and then we make room. It's not as fun. (laughs) But growth can only come when we are following the Holy Spirit. The sword gets immediate results. We need to wait and trust and realize that we are not doing the work of the Holy Spirit in, in all the areas. We are that plowshare that's making room. We are the pruning hook that is cutting off the little dead branches. And again, that takes intentionality because, as I learned, you can't just cut any branches that you want. You have to look and see which ones are diseased, which ones are dying, which ones are taking away from the health of the plant. And then you have to very intentionally look at where to cut those branches off. If you cut them off at the wrong spot, you won't see any growth on that branch anymore. But if you cut them off at the right spot, intentionally, in the right area, you will begin to see growth the next season or growth later that season that will have other branches coming out and you'll see flourishing. And so again, we have to trust the Holy Spirit to tell us what, how to be intentional with people. We have to trust the Holy Spirit to soften their hearts. So back to my dream. Everyone's yelling, everyone's angry in the room, and I'm getting more and more frustrated. And I stand up and I, uh, I almost forcefully grab the microphone <laughs> Everyone listening is like, you? Forceful? Never. (laughs) I I forcefully take the microphone from uh, the person holding it, and I say to the people that are, are sitting up front who are not Christian leaders, they're leaders of other religions, and I say, I'm sorry that you don't feel hospitality in this room. And hospitality was a word that stuck out to me because there's Christian hospitality that we should all be practicing. And I don't think the world sees a lot of our Christian hospitality. And so I said, I'm sorry you don't feel the hospitality here. I want you to know there are people here that are excited to listen and learn from you. And I said a few more things. And the room kind of quieted down. And the people in the front, the leaders in the front, started crying. And one woman was trying to get my email address. <laughs> and, and I said afterwards, I'll, I'll uh, talk to you after. And I woke up. And right away, I started thinking about one, the One Beacon event, which is very similar to that story. Uh, and I was so proud of our church for opening ourselves up to the One Beacon event and, and being a force for unity in the community. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said after this dream, I don't want us to lose that spirit. I don't want us to become, or or I think there's still some deep-seated things within the church, our church and the church at large. Uh, Not just I think, it's very obvious, but that that do not have that vision for unity that do not have that vision to make room for people, that look at people that are not like us, and we want to impose our Christianity on them and say, well, you are not welcome here, or we will not tolerate 
you. We don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from Christians. I don't want us to lose sight of that vision. I want us to make room at Jesus' table because guess what? That's what he does. <laughs> He's sitting at a table that has made room for sinners. He's made room for a lot of different people. He's made room for us. And I don't want us to be the type of people that are the swords, that are yelling in the crowd saying, you don't belong here. I want us to be the type of people that have that spirit that says, I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to make room for you. This is what Jesus is all about. Jesus is all about the making of room for you. So how do we beat our swords into plowshares? There's another text that I was reading for this Sunday, and it talks about confessing our sins, and I think it's so important. So let's go to the First John text, First John 1, 7 through 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It keeps us in the fellowship with one another. It doesn't destroy relationship to be walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. It takes away the sword that's in us and makes us a plowshare. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, that's where we will be the judgmental sword. We'll take judgment on ourselves. If we recognize the sin in ourselves, that we are sinful and that Christ has forgiven us, we will give forgiveness to other people. So it's so important that we are aware of our sin, not so we can beat ourselves up, so we recognize that we have the ability for repentance and that God has forgiven us. And these things will turn our swords into plowshares. These things will make us into the people that are ready to cultivate in someone else's lives. But who does the cleansing? The Holy Spirit. He digs beneath the soil in my own heart. He is the plowshare. He's the plow in my heart that is softening my heart and digging beneath and showing me, okay, there's rocks here. There's weeds under the surface here that need to be pulled out. Jesus gives us a mission. And as we saw in the first gospel reading, we cannot execute that mission. We cannot go into all the world until we are given the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. It says it, it, the Holy Spirit is going to be clothed on us. And so before we can give gifts to other people of our spirit, we first need the Holy Spirit to work on us. We first need the Holy Spirit to create that plowshare. We can't be the plowshare without him. So we confess our sins, and then we've opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit to do the work. Uh, one quick thing is that I had looked up blacksmithing because I was just interested about the process. How do you take a sword and beat it into a plowshare or a spear into a pruning hook? And here's a few different things that I found interesting. When you are taking a metal tool and you're turning it into a different purpose, you hammer it, you heat it up in fire. 
It's going to be uncomfortable when the Holy Spirit works in your life. How many times have you had an experience with the Holy Spirit that you recognized, and then the next day you were having all kinds of trouble with yourself? There's one thing I want to, well, and also the third thing is, and this is an actual term in blacksmithing, you are upsetting the metal. (laughs) You're upsetting it, which means you thin it out in one area so that another area can get thicker. And so how many times have we felt thinned out by the Holy Spirit and our, our emotions and our heart feel thinned out? That's the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't fight against it. Being a sword is easy. It's easy to pick it up. It's easy to thrust it. You get immediate results, and that's it. Being a plowshare is hard work. It takes your sweat. It takes, again, rhythm time after time. But here's one thing that someone once told me uh, in the past year that I want to just read to you. The level where obedience is hard is where I am being converted. At the point where we feel resistance of God is where the transformation happens. I'm free to say yes or no, but if I say yes in an authentic way, I will be changed. The struggle is necessary for the conversion. I need to know that my selfish desires and will are there. That's like what we're feeling is the selfish desires coming up when the Holy Spirit starts working on us. They were there all the time. It's just we start feeling it. I need to know that they're there so that my obedient choice is a real choice. So, John, can you come back up? This is the part where Pastor Bill makes lots of jokes. (laughs) I'm not. Pastor Bill's way more funny than me. Uh-oh, Pastor Bill. John's uh, questioning that. Okay, so uh, as we're closing, I want to go back to Luke 24, uh, 47 through 49. It's the gospel text that we read first. Okay, so after Christ fulfilled everything, we have the repentance for the forgiveness of sins that should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now that Jesus has fulfilled the scriptures through the Easter narrative, we are called to go and proclaim repentance and forgiveness. How do we proclaim this? And this is what almost brought me to tears when I was thinking about it. The sword is not a separate thing from the plowshare. The plowshare has become the sword. And so you have the history inside of you. You have the memorial and testimony that God has created from what seems destructful in your life. God is beating that into something that can be used for his glory. What was meant for evil, God's turning into good for you. So Christ shows 
the disciples his scars, we show people our plowshare. When you go back to work, and let's say you've been the office gossip, you come back with a plowshare and you say, look, I'm doing something new. I'm saying something new in this office. And they see the plowshare, that's your testimony. That's the gospel. That's the good work happening in your life. So let's stand. We're going to close out in prayer. The worship team can come on up. And as we're praying, I want you to think about the things, again, those things that we pinpointed. Try to name them in your head, the things that were destructive. As I'm praying, I want you to confess those things in your heart. And then we're going to let the Holy Spirit right now be working on those swords, be working it into a plowshare. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us that awareness of our sin, that you would open our eyes to the areas where we have hurt people, the areas where even if we've never said a word, we've thought it inside of ourselves. I pray that you would take that plowshare, the Holy Spirit, and open our hearts up to your work. I pray that we would feel more, people would feel more alive and refreshed after being in our presence, that they would feel that life flowing from us, that they would not feel condemned or judged, they wouldn't feel like we're taking something from them or conquering over them, but that they would feel your life flowing from our hearts into theirs, God. And I pray that you would continue to bring that testimony into our our hearts, bring that testimony that can be visible to other people to say, this is what I was, this is what God is creating in me. As we approach the Eucharist, it was on the night that Jesus gave his body, that he was sweating, that he gave his blood. He offered those things, and it was on that night that he said, Peter, put down your sword. Don't defend me. I'm giving myself. And so as we are taking the Eucharist, I want us to hold the bread and the juice in our hands. And as we're taking it, I want you to picture yourself laying down that thing that's inside of you that is destructive, laying down the sword. And when you pick up the bread and the juice and you take it into yourself, you are taking in the power that creates the plowshare. You're picking a plowshare back up. You put down the sword, we're picking a plowshare back up. This is what Christ's body and blood does for us. Father, sanctify these gifts by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.